Hello, upstairs, mezzanine to your left. Welcome, row D, seat 14, straight down to the Honey, these are great seats. Program? Places, everyone. Places, please. drinks are strong. Am I living in the twilight God, zone? I love it when you talk dirty to me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Between Acts, an immersive audio experience where each episode takes you on a spellbinding theatrical journey. Who the hell that report is in here? Here, we set the stage for your imagination My name is to freely venture through the works of newfound playwrights. I killed him. I'm a murderer. From dramas to comedies and everything in between. We are coming. Today, Between Acts proudly presents... Beehives of the Dead. Sugar, I don't mess with these steps anymore than I have to. A one-act play about a North Carolina hairstylist who's dead set on getting her own way with her clients. She soon learns they have some grave concerns, but it's never too late to learn some hard lessons about customer service and the importance of keeping one's part on the right side. For the safety of our actors, flash photography is strictly prohibited. So please, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I'd always held as fact that some people look better dead than alive. Take Lorraine Deschamps, for instance. I knew her most of her adult life, and she was always a homely little gal. Ashy skin, no makeup, and her hair, <laughs> well, she dealt with it herself, and it showed. Stringy and oily on top, strands dry as hay. She'd come into our beauty salon to let Marianne do her nails, but she'd never let me work my magic on her hair whilst she was among the living. Marianne? Or a frat. That new cleanser I'm using is eating them up. No worries, Lorraine. Let's see what we can do. As fate would have it, last year on the morning after Lorraine's 69th birthday, I got my chance. Lorraine got zapped by brain aneurysm. Just one of those out of left field things. She walked into her kitchen, poured herself some Minute Maid, and wham, keeled over onto her linoleum. She was only at the hospital long enough for them to say, Yep, reckon she's dead all right. Then it was off to Petty's funeral home. Now, most days, I cut hair at the Snip and Polish Deluxe Salon, but when Mr. Petty gets a customer who has enough hair, or enough head to bother with, he calls me. Hey there, Mr. Petty. What can I do for you? Sad news, Coquette. Lorraine Duchamp died very suddenly this morning. Nothing violent, nothing disfiguring. I know she was a customer of yours. Think you can come over late this afternoon and make her presentable for a showing? I hightailed it over to the funeral home after my last appointment and went to work. I washed her hair and used the extra silky conditioner. I got out my scissors and gave her the hint of bangs she so desperately needed. 
and because I am fully trained in the beauty arts, I gave her a rosy cheek and bronzed eyelids with just a kiss of naughty mauve gloss on her lips. My earthly delights color combo specialty. I swear to you, she had never looked so good. So sure, working on the dead was easy. Living customers were something else again. When they were alive, the oldest ladies in town, Midge Johnson, Arlene Shackelford, Patricia Pringle, had all been snip and polish regulars, and they'd been good tippers, so I'd always given them exactly what they asked for. Midge wanted the number six, paprika fantasy, red hair dye, and a tight perm, even when that sort of thing went way out of fashion. The Ronald McDonald special, I called it. Midge, we might consider something else. I got this real nice cherry chocolate frappe shade. It's a brunette dye, but it's got a good bit of red undertone in it. No, thank you, Miss Coquette. Paprika Fantasy makes me stand out in a crowd. I cherish being the showstopper of every party my husband and I attend. I turn heads wherever I go. Mm, I don't doubt it. Then there were Patricia and Arlene, who never did manage to get off the beehive hairstyle train they boarded back in the 60s. Every time I grit my teeth and gave them their big old hairy layer cakes, teased in with extra hair pieces and pasted over with half a can of hairspray. That's right, Coquette. Pile it high. You know how I like it. I'm gonna have three inches on my husband. Bless his heart. Don't forget to tease the back and extra hairspray. But when they died, oh, when they died, I had my own way, and damn, it felt good. The late Midge got a brunette rinse and a cute little Julie Andrews and the Sound of Music crop cut. And Patricia and Arlene got their beehives mowed down to a more modest fluff. You know, like Dorothy's Bornack on the Golden Girls. Nobody who attended the funeral seemed to mind. Coquette, she looks like an absolute angel. She sure looks natural. That was my favorite dress she wore. And her makeup was perfect, Coquette. I felt pretty good about sending each and every one of them to the He Is Risen Cemetery in style. Amen. But back in the land of the living, I still had to contend with customers like Ms. Hightower. Hello, Ms. Hightower. Lily Hightower was from one of the oldest families in town. And she had good hair, thick and silver white. After her eyes went bad and she couldn't see to drive to her usual salon in Wilmington, she started coming to the snip and polish. Every visit would start with getting her nails done by my salon partner, Mary Ann. All right, dear. Now, what I want is that gorgeous icy lavender you've got. And can you put on an extra layer of top coat? 
I like plenty of shine. Of course, Miss Hightower. After her nails were finished, Marianne would send her my way for a shampoo trim and style. I'd do it up nice, part it on the left and sweep it over to the right side. It looked classy, like that old film star, Lauren Bacall. Each time I did her hair, she was silent as the grave. None of the polite little back and forth she did with Marianne. And after, she tipped me exactly two dollars. But that wasn't the worst of it. Marianne, Marianne, come here. I want you to see this. What? What's wrong? Come over here to the window. Now look. What am I looking at? Miss Hightower. See her over there, standing next to that big old Mercedes? I do believe that is an Infinity G20 sedan, Coquette. Oh, whatever. Just watch her. Sure enough, she'd stop by her car, take those lavender claws, and rake all the hair on her head the opposite way, part on the right and sweep into the left. And it'd bunch all up. It looked ridiculous, like she just got out of bed. I watched out the salon window, and she did it every daggum time. After her fifth visit, I wanted to say something to her, but Mary Ann wasn't having it. I wouldn't cross her if I was you. I'm not crossing her. As a professional stylist who trained under Mr. Leroy of Chapel Hill, I fix it the way I think best. You can see she likes it parted on the right. It looks stupid. Hair has a natural way it wants to go, and hers doesn't want to go that way. You know what? I've done that for too long. Let these ladies prance in here and make me do their hair in ways that would make Mr. Leroy soil his salon smock. I wouldn't think you'd need reminding. The customer is always right, even if she's so wrong you want to slap the lipstick off her mouth. Well, I'm not doing it anymore. If you come to a professional stylist, you should get a professional style. If you want your hair some god-awful way, you should just do it yourself. I'm kind of surprised Miss Hightower doesn't say something to you. She's mighty closed mouth for someone so rich. I thought she'd be pushier, but she's just a sweetie. Well, she ain't that rich. Just rich for a one-horse shithole town like this. You see all those rings she wears? She's rich. Well, I guess the two-dollar tips threw me off. But, yeah, the rings are nice. The best? is the gold signet ring on her right middle finger. I asked her about it, and she said it was special. Got a picture of an Egyptian god or something. Said her husband got it for her in Cairo years ago. How about that? I like the big fat diamond wedding ring better. If she can afford to hold on to jewelry like that, she should be able to tip like a decent human being. Now, the following winter brought a rare ice storm to eastern North Carolina. Ms. Hightower happened to be on the road just as the storm was getting bad and got caught up in a big pile up on I-40. 
Her grand old infinity sedan was squashed into a two-door coupe and she died along with four other luckless souls. Petty's funeral home called at 10 the next morning, and before noon I was with Mr. Petty staring down at the old woman's face. Poor woman. Her nose broke badly, so I had to rebuild it some, and I've tried to fill in the nasty gash over her right eye, but see what you can do with the makeup. After Mr. Petty left me to it, I went heavy on the foundation and pretty much all the other makeup for balance and I wasted no time parting her hair on the left and sweeping it over to the right. Even if it didn't look better, which it did, I knew that it would help hide the gash. When I finished, I gathered my makeup and hairstyling supplies and headed for the restroom. Mr. Petty was in the hall outside the ladies' room. Hello, dear. Did you finish up with Mrs. Hightower? Yes, sir. I think I did her justice. That's fine. She was a lovely lady, wasn't she? And so admired. We're expecting quite a few people at the visitation tomorrow. And she'll be looking good. I mean, you know, as good as possible for somebody who's not... Yes, dear. I know what you mean. After the restroom, I wanted to take one more look at my handiwork on Ms. Hightower, so I ducked back in the prep area. There was an aqua brocade dress hanging on a hook on the far side of the room. Oh, she'd look mighty fine when she was laid out in the main parlor, considering the accident must have made hash of her insides. The makeup looked stunning. Bronzed eyes mauve lips, but I thought I'd covered that gash with her hair, and well, the hair was parted on the right. What in the name of June Carter Cash? Well, I fixed the hair back, then marched myself over to the next room. The day technician was bent over another body, checking an IV line. Why are you messing with me when I'm just trying to get my work done? Hold it down, Coquette. It's not like we're gonna wake him, Tyler. What's the problem? Look, don't screw around with Miss Hightower's hair. I just spent an hour and a half getting everything right on her. I haven't touched her. As you might have noticed, I'm a little busy here at the moment. Just don't, okay? Sugar, I don't mess with these steps any more than I have to. Well, I went back to Ms. Hightower's room to get my stuff. Again, the pot was on the right. Oh, my stomach did a loop-de-loop. -loop. I looked around for Mr. Petty, but he wasn't there. I could hear him on the phone in his office down the hall. My eyes went to the old woman's hands. They looked no different than they had a few minutes before. But that gold signet ring she had was gleaming like a foil caramel candy wrapper. Brighter and brighter the longer I looked at it. I adjusted Ms. Hightower's hair once again, and then I lingered. Didn't do a thing but stare at the old gal for a full five minutes. Nothing moved. Finally, I heard Mr. Petty making his way down the hall from his office. Uh... 
Coquette, everything okay in here? I think so, Mr. Petty. I... I hope so. Visiting hours at the funeral home started at 4 p.m. the next day. Sure enough, the pot was back on the right. It wasn't like I could reach in and fix it there in front of all our relatives. So I just sat in one of those rickety wooden frame chairs, staring. The makeup looked bumpy on the top of that gash, and her hair was piled up like a storm wave fixing to break on shore. Of course, no one complimented me on the job I'd done on Ms. Hightower. Mr. Petty didn't even give me the little half-smile I usually got from him to thank me for my handiwork. Instead, I got a little mortician's dig. I wouldn't have thought this would be so much of a challenge for you, Coquette. Well, I know she was a regular of yours. Grief can make things hard sometimes, can't it? The funeral was to be held the next day, so they were planning on closing the casket after everyone left. That being the case, I stayed until Mr. Petty had ushered everyone else out. And when we were alone, Ms. Hightower and I, I approached the casket. Staring at that piled-up mess of hair for three hours straight had made me testy. Look, you bitch. You may be going to heaven or you may be going to hell, but you're going with the part on the freaking left, you hear? I styled the hair one last time, then stood watch until Mr. Petty and Tyler closed the casket lid. Only then did I head for home. I didn't attend the funeral the next day. The casket was permanently sealed, so what was the point? But Mary Ann went and reported back to me. The pews at the First Baptist were packed, Coquette. It was solemn, but nobody was busting out crying. Well, nothing embarrassing like that. And I went out to the He is Risen Cemetery after for the burial. You know, there were cars lining nearly the whole length of Juniper Street. Well, I pretty much had to let that mystifying episode go and get on with my life. Two nights later, I was at the salon late. I had a mother and daughter in for 8 p.m. appointments, and it was nearly 10 by the time they left. I closed up shop and walked out to my car. I swung into the driver's seat of my Corolla. The stench of rotten meat and formaldehyde hit me like a baseball bat. There was Ms. Hightower, all set to ride shotgun, wearing the aqua brocade dress they buried her in. The rings were still on her fingers, the gold signet shining like a flashlight. She croaked a single word to me. Inside. I gaped at her. I tried to open my car door and bolt, but her arm... Gray and covered in loose, dirty skin, shot out to hold me back. Inside. Go back inside. We're coming. This time, she let me get out of the car. I turned to run up the street, but was met by a wall of women. Dead-looking women. 
all gray and bony and shedding crumbling dirt and all headed for the snipping polish. They swept me along in front of them. Ms. Hightower got out of the Corolla and led our little party up the small set of wooden stairs to the back door of the salon. What could I do? Ms. Hightower shambled to a seat on the side of the room and grabbed an Us Weekly from the magazine rack. She spoke without taking her eyes from the stars, they're just like us section. Lorraine, you will go first. Coquette, fix her. Lorraine? Lorraine Deschamps? She was still bony. Hell, she was pretty much a skeleton. A bit of flesh hung here and there, and some mossy green stuff clung to her collarbone. I tried to talk. Well, Lorraine, I, I, I haven't... I can't believe... Fix me! Fix me! Oh, can I take it you didn't care for the bangs, or... Fix my hair! Like I like it! Like I like it! Well, the bangs had grown out a bit, but as any stylist will tell you, you can't just undo bangs. As Mr. Leroy so often said, once you cross that particular Rubicon, you just have to wait till they grow out. But it didn't seem like Lorraine was in any mood to wait, so I combed all the hair she did have straight down and kind of shoved the bangs over. I would have tucked them behind her ear if she'd had much of one. Instead, I just pushed the bangs into a hole in her skull. It was a gesture, that was all, but it seemed to appease her. She stood up and took a seat beside Ms. Hightower. Midge Johnson. Damned if Midge didn't come forward, clattering on a pair of heels way too high for a woman of advanced age. Except for Ms. Hightower, she was the most recent death, and in truth, she was the hardest to look at. There were still strips of dark gray flesh attached to her, on her torso, arms, and legs, and in patches on her skull. When she took a seat in my styling chair, her back end made a sickly squishing sound, and her limbs left a putrid residue on the armrests. The hair was still intact on her head, and as I suspected, she did not care to have it styled like Miss Julie Andrews for the rest of eternity. Red, get the paprika fantasy, and curl it up now. Yes, ma'am. It took a while to do Midge, her being a perm and dye job, but the other ladies waited patiently. Ms. Hightower had finished with Us Weekly and was thumbing through a People magazine. The others were still as stones, heads bowed. I guess they were too long in the grave to have much interest in whether this or that actress was cheated on by her husband and some tattooed porn star. When I'd finished with Midge, it came as no surprise to see Arlene Shackelford and Patricia Pringle back at last to reclaim their beehives. Pile it up! You know how I like it! Don't forget to tease the back and lots of hairspray! I dug around the drawers for the gray hair pieces I needed, broke out the bobby pins and grabbed two cans of extra strong hairspray from the back cupboard. 
It was nearing 2 a.m. when I finished with their hair. Each lady had gained nine inches of height and a hefty coating of final net spray on their scrawny bones. Now, that's my color. I love it. They no longer bowed their heads, but took their places on the seats around the salon, proud as princesses. Now, all the dead looked at their queen, Ms. Hightower. She rose and walked toward me. But instead of taking her seat, she jabbed a waxy gray hand at me, and the gold signet ring on her middle finger flashed like a trapped bit of lightning right there in the snipping polish. By the power of Osiris, god of Egypt, deity of the afterlife, lord of the underworld, I command you, fix me. Oh, okay, Miss Hightower. Okay, just have a seat. Alan, fix me, and no more perpetrate your will in opposition to that of the living or the dead. But Miss Hightower, never. Swear I... this or be struck down. I guess you could say I was not in a position to argue. I agreed. Of course I agreed. And the old woman took her seat. This was an easy fix, but the most painful of the bunch. I took the hair, parted it on the right, and scooped it up over her scalp onto the left side. All-powerful Egyptian god on her side or not, I still thought it looked stupid. As I looked at her in the styling mirror, I noticed the bronze eye shadow, the cheek color, and the crystal mauve lipstick I'd applied at Petty's was still hanging tough. Uh, you want me to take the makeup off, Ms. Hightower? No. No, I like it. She stood, dug around in the side pocket of her aqua brocade, and pulled out two crumpled dollar bills. She handed them to me. For your trouble. The old ladies left the salon by the back door, still shedding bits of dirt and grass they'd brought up from their graves. When I heard the last clack down the steps of the backwood porch, I bolted the door and looked out the window. They were making their way to Juniper Street in a solemn, single-file procession. The women were almost out of sight when a figure emerged from behind a tree not far from the women's path. Whoever it was carried a shovel on their shoulder and fell in at the rear of the line heading back, I was sure, to the He Is Risen Cemetery. I woke up in one of the salon chairs, Mary Ann nudging me, haloed by the bright sunshine streaming through the window. I was so tired and traumatized by the evening's events, I didn't even remember sweeping up and wiping the chairs down with Lysol. But everything was clean, so I must have done it. Mary Ann never cared for cleaning. Look at it. I'll wake up, sugar. Did you stay here all night? I, yeah, I I guess I did. I had some uh, late appointments. I was just so tired. Yeah, 
I'm pretty worn out too, but I got a couple of early ladies today. I'll get the coffee on. I rose off the chair slowly and headed to the back room for my styling smock. And there, in one of the corners, I saw a shovel caked with dirt at its tip. I poked my head out of the room. Where did this shovel come from? I borrowed it from Dave Shackelford. He said he'd come by to get it sometime this afternoon. And what exactly were you doing with it? It's a bit too early to be planting flowers, ain't it? You know what I was doing with it. You shouldn't have crossed her. You shouldn't have crossed any of them. Well, how did you? It's the ring. The gold signet ring. That's some bad mojo right there. Remember, she told me about it when I did her nails. And after she died, well, she came to me. I mean, freaking came into my house at night. She said the ring let her rise from the grave any time she wanted to, but she couldn't, you know, cover herself back up when she returned, and she couldn't do that for any of the other ladies. So she needed my help. And y'all thought you'd teach me a lesson. She didn't really give me a choice. Jesus crackers! Remember how meek and polite she was when she was alive? And now she's a stone-cold bitch. I know. And I ain't gonna cross her. Well, I don't suppose I will either. Uh, Do you know what she made me promise before she and those other ghouls shambled on out of here? I think I have some idea. That any damn thing anybody wants. Beehives, green hair, half-shaved heads, I have to do. Because if I don't, That woman will come back here and mess me up good. Do you think I wanted to do that purple nail polish on her when she was alive? I knew it was trashy, but you gotta give the client what they want, so we- Might as well change our name to the bow and scrape. In the end, we did change the name of the salon. That was Mary Ann's idea. Trying to stave off any more visits from Ms. Hightower, I suppose. It's now Osiris's. Doesn't exactly roll off the tongue, but it seemed appropriate given the circumstances. And every customer who comes in gets exactly what she wants. Whether it's hair or nails, whether she's old and set in her ways or young and full of bad choices, black or white, Rich or poor, ornery or nice. She might be living or she might be dead. But here, the customer is always, always right. Beehives of the Dead was produced by Missing Link. Written by Elizabeth Allen. Directed, edited, and mixed by Janice Rivera. Meet our cast. The part of Coquette was performed by Charlene Sloan. Marianne was performed by Melissa Dunlap. Mr. Petty was performed by Larry Gray. Ms. Hightower was performed by Patricia Nicklin. Lorraine Duchamp was performed by Amy Griffin. The part of Tyler was performed by Nathan Tatro. Midge Johnson was played by Ricky Howie. Original music by Chris Bordeaux and Micah Budo. Special thanks to Chris Wilson and Hazel O'Salon. 
Subscribe, download, and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or visit us at betweenacts.show. Between Acts is a Missing Link production, a podcast media company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content.